Good morning. What's going on? Uh, today, we're going to talk about social media depression. I woke up this morning and I saw an article about how social media is linked to depression as well as uh, the fault, the, these tremendous flaws of comparing yourself to other people. So we're going to get started. Get comfortable. Buckle up your seatbelt. Hit the thumbs up button. We're going to get started on DrBoysTV.com right now. Here we are, clan, the isms, cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones who late. Now, family, we the ones who got to delegate. Get that money in the power, never be fake. Stick to co-sign for three. What did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own. Educate the same and buy back your home. Got three degrees, triple ten. Three PhDs, now we on the CNN. DBTV, let's talk about negligence. Ignorance is bliss, but we can turn into intelligence. Please, none of what you hear, half of what you see. Let's break it down here on Dr. Boyce TV. Hey, good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to DrBoysTV.com, the home for intelligent black people. So if you're not black and intelligent or don't want to be intelligent, then you should kindly get the fuck out. Uh, today, we are going to talk about uh, comparing yourself to others and how that is a horrible way to live your life. That is a, an easy way to be very sad and depressed. And uh, before I begin, though, I want to say hello and also remind you that this platform, we put black people first. Uh, if you agree that black people should come first, that we should put ourselves at the top of the priority list. If you agree that we can solve our own problems. Put a hashtag B in the number one in the chat. Put hashtag B1 in the chat. Uh, what's going on, Terracotta? Hugh and Kanisha and M. Marie and Bruce Williams and Joy Harden. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, this is important. I want to talk about this a little bit. And I want to talk about uh, social media and uh, some stuff I've been reading about depression that is linked to social media. Uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about <clears throat> the, the sort of um, chasing likes and wanting people to uh, to to see your best life, how that can cause you to go into a really ugly loop that you can't win. You can't win. And so um, so Crystal Locke and Eagle Collins and Kanisha and Donna, uh, we're going to jump right into the conversation. Uh, so so let me just tell you what spurred this. Um, my brother, Lawrence, put up a post on Facebook. And, and it was pretty profound. And uh, it was basically something to this effect. It was something to this effect. Basically, he said, or so he was quoting somebody who said that comparing yourself to others is the number one killer of happiness. Comparison is the number one killer of happiness. That if you are comparing yourself to other people, you're probably not going to be happy. And, uh, and, and now, why is that important? Why is that important? I want you to be conscious about this. Uh, because a lot of people aren't conscious. They're not critical thinkers. This is for people that want to be smarter. Uh, basically, comparing yourself to others means that a lot of times, uh, you know, when we measure our quality of life, when we measure how well we're doing, everything is relative. Almost everything is relative. Like if I say, uh, is $10 a lot of money? Uh, let, let me ask you guys this question. Is $10 a lot of money? Give me a yes or no. Uh, Saladin and uh, Creflo dough. Uh, is $10 a lot of money? Uh, give me a yes or no. Do you think $10 is a lot of money? Who thinks $10 is a lot of money? I'm, I'm going to give you a second to answer that question. Hit the thumbs up button, by the way. Please hit the thumbs up button if you haven't done it yet. Okay, Vanity says no. Uh, Joy says no. Uh, let's see. Who else? Keep going. All right. Uh, okay, Fredia, you're wrong. Okay, a lot of people say no. A lot of you are saying no, which makes sense. That's a logical answer. Um, so let's say that I said... Um, I'm going to sell you uh, this ink pen and I want you to buy it for $10, right? Uh, we, I'm going to sell you a whole bag of them, 100, 100 ink pens. 
uh, ten dollars a piece. So a bag of 100 ink pens just like this is going to cost you a thousand bucks. Would you say that that's too much money? Would you say that that's a lot of money for, at that point? Does that change your perception at all? Give me a yes or no. Do you follow what I'm going where I'm going with this? Do you get what I'm saying here? Just let me know that you get what I'm saying. Okay. And the point that I'm making there is that everything is relative. Uh, in mathematics, we, you know, we used to talk about something called measures. Measures are basically standards that are used to determine whether something's big or something's small, whether something's good or something's bad. Uh, almost everything that you measure in your life, when you're measuring yourself and measuring your quality of life, measuring how happy you are, measuring how successful you are, measuring how pretty you are, all these things are relative. Everything is relative to not just what you're comparing yourself to, but what standard you're using to define what beauty even is, right? Or what success even is, right? Like there are some people, for example, who think success means having a lot of money. Like I, I'm more successful than you because I made I made 250,000 a year and you only make 35K, you scrub. Yeah, but you know, some people don't care about money, right? Some people, you know, are looking beyond the money. They're looking at the happiness. They're looking at their relationships. They're looking at how healthy they are. They might say, yeah, you make $250,000 a year, but but you're obese, you're ugly, you're a terrible person, and your spouse hates you. So you're not doing better than me just because you make more money than me. And, uh, and, and this is important to understand because uh, a lot of people compare, and they compare on a very basic uh, one-dimensional framework. They compare, they'll pick one criteria and that that is how they will measure quality of life. And that is a huge, huge mistake. Uh, and I want to warn you to avoid that. And why is it important to be careful about that? Well, because that leads to a lot of depression. Um, I was reading a study today and I'm actually going to pull up, actually I'm going to pull up an, uh, one of them right now. There's a thousand of them out there uh, about social media depression. And uh, this is really bad amongst kids, but it's also bad amongst adults, too, because, you know, the black community, unfortunately, has become a big community of teenagers in some spaces. Right. Some spaces you got 45, 50 year old men and women acting like they 14 years old. And uh, they'll say they'll say something like, like Dr. Boyce. Well, well, I, you did a video and, I, and you got you didn't even get no likes. I'm, I'm 50. I shouldn't be chasing likes. I'm not. I'm not doing this for likes. I'm doing this to share information. <laughs> I'm doing this to help my community. You should be doing this too. Are you still at a point where you need somebody to like you for you to feel like you're a worthy human? Is that what you need? You need likes here. And let me give you a like, little babe. Come here, babe. Give me give the little like for you so you feel better. Do you have your self-esteem now? What the hell, man? That's why white people have, have a grip on us because they have us feeling like we need acceptance to be successful. No, if you're really doing the work and you're doing it right, you're not going to have the acceptance that you want. Like your mama, your mama used to say, I'm not one of your little friends. I know anybody else had a mama who was like hater of the year, you know, like, like mama who was like, like who would literally snatch you up out of the club by your hair because she saw you acting like a fool. Right. And she did not care how many people liked it. She did not care how popular she was. She did not care what happened. She would embarrass you in front of your friends. And I hated it. It drove me crazy, but it was what needed to happen. My mama was not looking for likes. My mom was looking to raise healthy kids. So a lot of times, particularly in a world where people are doing a lot of crazy, ridiculous things to get attention and to fit in, um, sometimes being unpopular is the best thing you can do. Sometimes being unliked is the, the most courageous thing you can do.
Uh, and, and here's the thing. Everybody, everybody, if you look at there's uh, something called Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Has anybody ever heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs? I'm going to pull it up on the screen so you guys can see it. Uh, th this is going to be a fun conversation. Let me let me see if I can. Maslow's. Here we go. Maslow's hierarchy of needs is very popular. Give me a yes or no. If you've ever heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Somebody let me know if you've ever heard of this. This is a very important concept in psychology. Hit the thumbs up button. Please hit the thumbs up, share, subscribe button. I'm going to show you a screenshot of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Let me know if you've ever heard of it. All right. So let me tell you why I wanted to pull this up. Okay. Maslow's hierarchy of needs is here. Let's pull this up. All right. So here's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Now Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if you see down here at the bottom, it's, it's typically shaped like a pyramid. And what it basically means is that in this pyramid, you start at the bottom and you can't get to the top unless you satisfy every single rung at the bottom. If you're still down here at, at, at level one, you can never get to level two, level three, level four. So when people talk about spiritual vibration and vibrating on a higher frequency, they're kind of talking about Maslow's hierarchy. I mean, not to give you know too much credit for this white guy. He probably stole his ideas from Africa like everybody else. But still, this is a pretty good model to understand life. So down at the bottom, you've got the basic physiological needs. You've got air, water, food, shelter, sleep, clothing, and reproduction. If you don't have these basic things, then you're not going to be happy. It's going to be hard to move to the next level. The next level, though, is safety. So once I've got some air, water, and food and shelter, then I start saying, okay, how do I become safe? So that means personal security, employment, resources, health, and property. For example, in this example, right? Now, those are examples of things that make you feel safe. So once I've satisfied my basic needs, then I go on to trying to make sure that I have security. But the problem, though, is that if I don't have these basic needs fulfilled, then I will give up my security to go down and get air, food, and water, right? So if I'm in the house and I'm safe and secure in the house, and then suddenly they, they cut off the oxygen in the house and there's no food in the house, and the, let's say that it's very dangerous outside the house. Let's say that people are getting shot outside the house. Well, I'm going to leave my safety to go fulfill these basic needs. I'm going to leave the safety of my house to go get air, food, and water because I have to have those things in order to survive. So once you satisfy your basic safety needs, then you go for love and belonging. That's where you're trying to get likes. That's where you're trying to get people to say, I like you. I love you. Right. And if you if some of you are lucky, some of you grew up maybe with healthy parents who told you that they loved you. Uh, a daddy who was there every day and said, baby, I think you're the most beautiful thing in the world. Uh, son, I love you, son. Uh, a mama who was there for you, cooking for you every day, telling you that you're, you're special and that they love you. Maybe you have a relationship. Uh, I'm, I'm lucky. I happen to be married to one of the most beautiful women on, on the planet. And, uh, and she reminds me of how much she loves me and how valued I am. So love and belonging is, uh, is the next level. Friendship, intimacy, family, sense of connection. Now, if you don't have safety or physiological needs, then you let go of your need for love and belonging, right? You let go of this need to, uh, to, to be liked or to be loved in order to get the things you need to feel safe. So maybe an example might be that when women start to feel financially insecure, if, they, if they're with a man who messes up the money or they're with a man who puts them in danger, then some women will say, you know what? I'm glad you love me, but love ain't got nothing to do with it at this point. Uh, right now, I know you love me, <clears throat> but ain't nothing going on but the rent. Uh, you know, I know you love me, but right now I'm feeling real anxious right now because I don't feel safe right now. So they go down to this lower level. They say, I don't need you to love me and give me friendship, intimacy, family, and a sense of connection because I need you to keep me safe. You're about to get me killed, right? <clears throat> but, but then once you satisfy physiological needs, safety, love, and belonging, 
Then you go to the next level, which is esteem. Esteem is greater than love and belonging. That's more than having someone love you. That's when people respect you. That's when you get acknowledged, right? Uh, you know, respect, self-esteem, status, recognition, strength, and freedom, right? Like I am Dr. Boyce Watkins, and look at me. I've, I give speeches around the world, and I've made lots of money, and uh, and I have I have a, a million followers on on social media, and blah 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 blah, right? That that esteem is something that we uh, many of us aspire to, right? Uh, many of us, particularly when we're young and we don't have uh, validation, we seek that out. Uh, this is actually a tool that white supremacists use to control you, though. What the white supremacists will do is they'll say, uh, you ain't nothing but a Negro. You have no respect. You have no self-esteem. You have no status in society. You haven't been recognized. But then what they'll do is they'll drop some butter biscuits on you with some extra honey on top. And then you start getting the warm, delicious butter biscuits and you start aligning and conforming to white supremacist standards because they've given you something that you desperately needed, which was your esteem. Right. <clears throat> you know, you you maybe have gotten love and belonging from your community or from your family. But you're like, but mama, I'm, I'm nothing but a Negro. So I need these white people to give me the fancy job. I need them to let me go live in their white neighborhood. I need to go shop at the big white department store so I can feel better about myself. That was what, what the whole civil rights movement was all about. It was about giving you esteem and validation that you really should have gotten on your own. But then when you get past that point, when you've had enough esteem, when you have, when you know people love you, when you're feeling pretty safe and your basic needs are met, then you move to the, to the highest rung. The highest rung is self-actualization. Self-actualization is when you literally get past the need for anybody to validate you. You've already been validated. Uh, you get past the need to be loved and, be, and to have belonging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got enough people that love me. Uh, you feel safe. You feel like, like your basic needs are met. Now you're seeking uh, that that higher purpose, right? You're, you're connected to something bigger than yourself. Maybe you're saying, you know what? I, I'm Michael Jordan. I've won a bunch of championships. And now I'm trying to go and become, you know, something greater than just an athlete, right? Whatever it is, right? Uh, Magic Johnson, when Magic Johnson uh, got rejected from the Olympic team, one thing that he said that was really profound was he said, I don't need a committee to tell me that I'm a good basketball player. Like, I know I'm a good basketball player. So what he's basically saying is that I've moved past this need for your esteem. And now I'm at a point where I'm self-actualizing. I'm finding my bliss. I'm serving a higher purpose. I'm going to the next level. So why do I bring up Maslow's hierarchy of, hierarchy of needs? Well, typically the people that are more subject to social media depression, in my view, again, I'm an armchair psychologist. This is this is armchair analysis. I do not have a license in these things, although I do sleep with a woman every night who is an, who is one of the world's leading experts on the subconscious mind, who is a full professor of social work and a licensed therapist. So I I get just by uh, what do they call it? Uh, by osmosis, <laughs> I, I I absorb her knowledge and her information. I'm telling you, there's nothing like having a smart black woman next to you every day. It's going to challenge your thinking, and that's a good thing. And so one of the things I can tell you is that a lot of the people who are on social media, who uh, maybe are getting naked on Instagram to get more likes, um, who are doing whatever they can to uh, to get people to say, I like you, or trying to be popular, or doing every stupid internet trend out here in order to fit in, those are typically people who have not had basic needs met. That is the little girl whose daddy never told her that she was pretty. So she needs a bunch of random men who will tell her that she's pretty in exchange for access to her vagina. 
right? Uh, that that is that you know that person who's never accomplished anything who feels like um, you know I need to be uh, liked on social media for me to feel like I'm a better person. And what happens is that this is connected. Uh, social media is designed to be addictive. Actually, studies show that basically they design social media the same way they design casinos. The same way casinos try to create gambling addicts by creating randomization in outcomes and a release a random releases of dopamine into the brain. Uh, that dopamine that's released into your brain, that's the feel-good chemical. Dopamine makes you happy. Dopamine is what you feel when you have really good sex and you're like, oh, this is so good, right? Or dopamine is what you feel when you eat a really good meal. Dopamine is what you feel when you use a drug, right? So social media is a modern-day drug. They are dope dealers, and their whole goal is to get you as high as possible. And also these social media people, if you go watch uh, documentaries, there's a documentary on, about Facebook and how Facebook was founded and thinking behind Facebook. One thing that, that's interesting is that the, the modern day digital dope dealers, that's what we can call them, the digital dope dealers, the, 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 the triple Ds, the digital dope dealers, they follow the rule of my friend Ice Cube, who once said in a song called Dope Man, uh, don't get high off your own supply. You remember that? And Biggie in the Ten Crack Commandments. I think that was one of his Ten Crack Commandments. Don't get high off your own supply. Remember that, right? So a lot of these people that created social media, check this out. Pay attention now. Listen, let me know that you hear what I'm saying. A lot of the people who created social media do not let their children spend very much time on social media. Did y'all know that? Did y'all know that? Give me a yes or no if you knew that. Most people who help create social media are like, uh-uh, I'm not, I'm not taking this dope. I'm about to sling it. I want y'all to take it, right? Like I'm running the club. I want everybody else to be drunk in the club, but I'm not getting drunk if I don't drink, right? Uh, I'm in the club. I want everybody else to be out partying, but I'm not going to do all that. I'm being the back counting, counting money, right? So basically social media is uh, is very, very dangerous in that way. And uh, the reason that it affects black people so much is because uh, all the things that dopamine does, it's a natural self-medicating process. Uh, it's something It's something you become addicted to. Like you have people that form sexual addictions or drug addictions or alcohol addictions or uh, video game addictions or, all the, or gambling addictions in order to cope with stress, anxiety, and depression, right? Well, studies also show that Black people, particularly Black women, unfortunately, have the highest rates of anxiety and depression in society. Uh, the depression, <clears throat> there's a book written by Terry Williams called Black Pain. And Terry Williams writes about how so many black women are super depressed and they don't even know it because black people don't get mental health treatment. Black people don't tend to believe they tend to see therapy as a sign of weakness. Um, that's not a sign of weakness. I see therapy as a sign of a desire to improve yourself. Uh, I see therapy as a desire to self-actualize. I see therapy as an opportunity for you to understand yourself well enough to live your best life and to truly become the best person you can be. Now, do me a favor. Hit the thumbs up button. Hit the share button. Hit the subscribe button. There's my Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at Dr. Boyce Watkins one. Uh, please follow me on Twitter. I want some intelligent black people in the Twitter conversations. I don't I don't argue with stupid people. I like to, but I will debate with an intelligent person. So feel free to go to Twitter at Dr. Boyce Watkins one. And also uh, just uh, just as kind of a fun thing, I did create um, uh, a a URL, Ask Uncle Boyce, where if you have any questions about life, success, uh, relationships, or anything like that that you think an OG can help you with, uh, go to AskUncleBoyce.com and you can leave your question and I will do Uncle Boyce segments every now and then because I know there are a lot of young people who want to understand life, who truly want to be successful. And, um, and you know, I, I, 
I, I think I fit the mold, you know, uh, in terms of making money. I've done that in terms of getting high levels of education. I rarely meet a person who has more education than me uh, in, in terms of being successful at what you do. I'm really genuinely happy with what I do. Like I genuinely love my life. I genuinely love my wife. I genuinely happy with what I do every single day. And that requires an almost meditative level of self-awareness where you can know what makes you happy. Uh, when I talked to my 10 year old the other day about, you know, her future. And uh, she was asking me what she, you know, she was telling me, she asked, she said, what did you want to do? You know, when you grew up, when you were my age? And I, and I said, well, I don't know. I, I thought I wanted to be a professional football player or something like every other black kid in my class. And, uh, and she was telling me she wanted to be a teacher, an engineer, uh, a dancer or a singer. And I said, well, how about this? How about instead of wanting to be a profession, maybe your goal is maybe you should want to be happy. Right. Happiness is a pretty clear thing. I, I don't know if you're going to be satisfied as an engineer or a dancer, but I know that you're going to be happy if you're happy. Right. How about uh, you become financially secure? Because I know that if you want to pursue happiness, it's easier to pursue happiness when you have financial security. Why? Well, because if you go to Maslow's hierarchy, if those basic low level needs of economic security are not met, then you cannot self-actualize. You cannot live your best life. It is not possible. Pay attention, black people. Tell me if you hear what I'm saying. I need you to slow your brain in slow motion and hear this. It is almost impossible to truly live your best life when you're not adequately, adequately secure financially. That does not mean being rich. That does not mean you have to have a million dollars in the bank. That means that your basic needs have to be met. You. It is almost impossible to go out and you know, and, and, and just truly live your best life when you can't even pay the rent and you can't buy food for your kids. It's, it's almost impossible. That's why women think about this. Uh, ladies <clears throat> confirm this. A lot of women can't even focus on having sex with you if the lights are about to get cut off or the bills aren't paid. Like they, they just can't, they're, they're like, I can't, the, or the house is dirty. I can't, or, you know, it, it's funny. Like you know, I've, I've, I've noticed, that. I think that's the funniest thing in the world, but a lot of women can't even connect with you emotionally and physically if they're feeling financially vulnerable, if they're scared, right? So ultimately, uh, at the end of the day, a lot, a lot of black people can't live their best life. So a lot of people on social media who pretend to be living their best life, they're literally pretending. They're faking. They're faking it. They're they're just they're just taking really great selfies that look really good. They get the nice smile and 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 sitting in front of somebody else's Mercedes. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like like it got the or, or maybe a, a, a Benz with a bow on it, and they'll say something like "blessed." You know, I'm I'm so blessed. God blessed me today. It may it may not even be your car, right? Or maybe you're so deep in debt that you're stressed out every single day, right? So so a lot of times. Um, people that are pretend living claim to be living their best life are really pretending. Uh, a lot of black people can't get to the higher levels of Maslow's hierarchy because they can't get past the first level of just basic economic security. That's why when Dr. Claude Anderson designs the uh, the, the 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 five story building of Black Power, he puts economics at the bottom. He says if your money's right, then your life can be tight. You know, but if your money ain't right, then everything else is going to be sloppy. You're going to be scrambling your whole life. Everything's going to be hard. So the best thing you can do for your kids is make sure they're financially secure. That's what I tell my daughter. I say, no, you know what? I don't care what profession you pick. I don't think you have to be defined by a profession. Who said you have to do that? That's slave talk to me. That's capitalist slave talk. They they convinced Americans in the Industrial Revolution that you should be defined by what you do for a living when you give zero shits about the job that you work and the people you work for. You don't even like that company. Those people don't even like you. Those people treat you like crap. They're the number one reason for your stress and anxiety every single day. You ever, you ever want to have an interesting conversation, sit down with a group of black people and just say something like, start the conversation with something like, let me tell you what these white people are doing to me on my job. 
and watch how that conversation will go on for the next four or five hours. Like do that. Get a bunch of black people who all work for white people and just start off by saying something like, yeah, those white people, they they really treat you bad on the on the job. And, and, and the conversation will go on all night. Like, yeah, this this lady down the hall, she gonna come in my office talking about where the paper clips at. And I'm like, why are you looking at me? I didn't take the paper clips. See, they always be thinking that we be stealing, and then they and then they and then they get and then this white man gonna come in and he got the job. He ain't even got I got a master's degree, he got a GED, and they promote their own people ahead of us. And that, right, <laughs> you know what I'm talking Like, like we will talk about white people all we give them so much power because that's all we talk about. That's all we're obsessed about. That's all we're reacting to. And so what one thing I realized was as I was going on my own journey to find my own happiness, because and, and I became very conscious of this because I was very unhappy as a kid. I, I went through a lot of depression as a kid. Uh, I didn't have those basic needs for love and things like that, you know, because my daddy wasn't even there. My biological father abandoned me. And, you know, probably wanted my mother to abort me. Right. And uh, and so so I had to work through this. I had to figure these things out. I, I studied these things. Right. I studied these things because I said, uh, sure, I could go make a bunch of money. Sure, I could go become a huge success. Sure, I could do all these other things. But really, the shortcut to success is find your bliss, find your happiness, find a way to be happy. And I and I read a study about happiness. And one thing I found was they said that um, happy people are happier because they're happier. Like, and, and it was the craziest statement, simple yet incredibly profound, that happiness is a conscious decision. That 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 the ability to pursue your happiness, to know where your happiness is, and to and the, and the courage to go pursue that, is literally one of the greatest keys to to instant success in life. Because if you're not happy, you're not successful. I know a lot of very wealthy people who are not happy. Now I like wealth and I like money because I found money was an excellent tool to find my happiness. Believe me, I bought a new car last week. I was much happier driving that nice new luxury car, right? So, 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 so I'm not sitting here pretending like money doesn't matter. What I'm saying to you is that it's a matter of you uh, becoming uh, whatever it is that you need to be in order for you to find your fulfillment. So like, for example, let me give you an example of this social media depression and, 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 and this kind of uh, immaturity that can cause you to, uh, to really struggle. So there's a guy in here named comedian Mo Green who says, um, 280,000 followers and 150 viewers. So I don't know if Mo is, is a, is a grown man or if he's a teenager, but that's a real teenager statement. Um, I, I I know how many followers I have. I have actually I have more than two hundred eighty thousand. I have about six YouTube channels with a combined following of about a million people. Sometimes I talk about things that are really popular. I've gotten videos that have over a million views. Uh, but then a lot. But then what happened over time was I stopped it being interested in trying to talk about what Black people wanted to hear, and instead talked about what I felt like people need to hear. Um, I stopped getting into just talking about things that are trendy. Sure, I can I can talk about some of that, but I realized I said, you know, I want to go into the rare space. I want to go into the rare air. I want to. I, I really want to do content that only five or ten percent of the black community is going to be interested in, uh, th- because this stuff. If you think about this, this video, this is higher level shit. Like this is stuff that most black people will never consider or think about. Right. You know, it, it's, it's sad. I wish more people were more into intellectual stuff. But unfortunately, we have a culture that that will glorify comedians and rappers and, and 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 what I consider to be menstrual shows. Like that's all it is. I mean, on the plantation, the comedians always had a lot of sway with the master, uh, the the um, you know, the the fastest running slave or the one who could win the competitions. Or, you know, always got the most attention. So effectively, a lot of our people are unhappy and miserable. I mean, depression in the black community is incredibly high. And a lot of black folks are on social media more than any other group of people because the social media becomes um, 
a an accelerator of depression, but it's also a reaction to the depression. So because I'm not happy with my life, I I, I might turn to social media because I, I just feel the need to connect or I feel the need to be validated or I feel the need to, if I have a bunch of followers, I can feel like I'm successful because the whole world has made me feel like a loser because I'm just a black man, right? So ultimately what I, what I will say to you is, that, you know, you're hundred percent correct. Um, you know, I am not the most popular Negro on the internet, nor do I ever want to be. Why would you want to fit in with a culture that is destructive, negative, and toxic? I, why would you want to be, uh, if you're in high school, why would you want your child to be the coolest kid on campus a, a, by hanging out with kids that are destroying their lives and doing you know terrible things, right? So, so sometimes, so really a lot of that validation, when you've got that internally, you don't really need other people to validate you. Like, But the thing is, sometimes you have to go through that process, though, to get to the point where you don't, don't need validation. Like, I've gotten validation for 25 years. When I was at University of Kentucky, I was like the most popular person on the campus because I wrote these articles and everybody loved them. And, and, and the thing about being famous and popular is that you learn that there's a downside to that, right? On one hand, you're like, yeah, look at this. All these people like me. This is so great. Everyone likes me. Look at me, right? And then you realize that it's very fickle. That when somebody says they like you, um, there's there's some people that really ride with you no matter where you go and who you are and what you do. But then there's a lot of people who only like you because you're saying what they want to hear. They only like you because you're giving them what they want, what they want to receive. And so the minute you start saying, you know, I want to go in this different direction, then you're not going to get liked as much. Right. So if I'm doing something basic and simple and repeating talking points that are very popular, like if I really wanted to have a really popular YouTube channel, you know what I would do? <clears throat> I would become a really prominent uh, black Republican, right? Because black Republicans will get a million followers like that because white people will clap and validate you all day. They will follow your channel. They will donate money to your cause. They'll do all of that. Uh, and also black Democrats do pretty well too. <clears throat> if you simply go and repeat exactly what white liberals are saying on TV, like if you say, we really need to, uh, you know, we really need to address uh, climate change because transgender people are being mistreated and they're, they're being brutalized by police and the Republicans are terrible and I hate Donald Trump, right? Like if you do, if you say things like that, then you will get a ton of people that are going to cheer you on. Sean King went through that. Sean King lost you know, hundreds of thousands of followers um, because he simply challenged Barack Obama. He, he stopped saying what white liberals wanted him to say. So he was kicked out of the group. He was, you know, and, and so you got to be careful about <clears throat> accepting validation from people in, you know, that are not really your people. It's just like you're, you're telling your kid, like, look, everybody shouldn't be your friend. Stop looking for friends in the wrong, especially in the wrong places, because some of these people that claim to be your friend are only there because they're going to get something out of you. But that boy only wants to be your friend because he wants you to, you know, get have sex with him in the bathroom. Right. So so some or or, or he gave you a, a necklace because he's trying to get some ass like he's not really your friend. He's not really he doesn't really like you. Right. And, and so sometimes what happens is that, like, if you notice, when I when I do my video, the first thing I do is I get up and I, I say, this is a platform for intelligent black people. If you're not black and intelligent, then get the fuck out, right? And I do that deliberately because I don't want to be addicted to the clout. I don't care anything about the clout, right? I don't really, uh, I, I consider being on this platform to be a privilege, not a right. It's not something, you know, it, like I, I, I deliberately say, okay, I want people to leave. And, and, and this is not uncommon. Actually, Jeff Bezos, one thing that he does with new Amazon employees, I don't know if he still does this, is that he will, when they come in and they, they come to work for the company, he will offer them $5,000 to quit. 
He'll literally say, um, if you quit your job right now, I will give you $5,000 in your bank account. And of course, some people are going to take the money. They're going to run away. He's going to lose employees over that. But that's how you test to see if people really want to be there. So sometimes um, I love flipping the script. I love doing something that is going to be controversial, something that people that the majority of our people are not going to agree with. And I'll do that just as a test. And it's a test to say, who's really down for this platform and who's not? Because uh, if you're fly by night, I want you to go because because eventually you're going to leave anyway. Um, uh, who is a critical thinker and who's not? A critical thinker is somebody who's not going to be offended by opinions that are different from their own. Um, who's mature enough to really lead the revolution? Uh, those people that are able to hear something that they don't agree with and kind of process that tend to be more successful than the people who are like, well, I only like you if you agree with what I say. Right. So so a lot of times it's it's better to uh, reject people in advance than it is to bring them in. So, yeah, I picked up a lot of subscribers, but I almost didn't even like it because I was like, God, I'm too popular right now. I must be doing something wrong. I don't want to be popular in a toxic culture. There's too much chaos and negativity in our community for me to even want to fit into any of that. Right. So uh, so that's just that that's the truth. Now, let me talk a little bit more about social media and depression. Do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button. Please hit the thumbs up, share, subscribe button. And like I said, if you have a question for me about life or anything, the non-financial stuff. So Uncle Boyce is the guy who can answer the answer the uh, non-financial questions. I like to answer questions about life and success and how you can find your happiness. I'm really, I think I might be becoming an expert on happiness because I'm obsessed with learning the tools for you to find your peace, find your bliss, find your happiness. And one of the things that um, Alicia and I have been talking about, because, you know, she's a therapist, is she said there's so many kids that are so depressed that are coming into our office uh, because they're sitting on social media and they're looking to social media to fill a void. But because they're on social media so much, they get depressed. So that's why they say that you should take actually detox periods from social media where you disconnect or you turn everything off or whatever. Um, one of the things that, that helps me, I, I like social media a lot, but my rule with social media is I use social media. I don't let social media use me. So I love to use it like a radio station, you know, I can, or a classroom. I can come in here and I can talk to you guys about whatever's on my mind. We own our own media. We don't get money from white people. We're not in the go along to get along gang or whatever they, whatever the hell they call it. We literally have not received any money or any support from white people. And actually most black people are not even interested in what we do. So I see this as a chance for me to really reach out to the talented tent. I mean, the people that are really devoted to building the community and to say to them, like, here's some strategies. Here's some things you can try. Here's some things I've done that have really work for me. And uh, and one thing I found is that finding your peace up here is literally critical, that that's the most critical step to you being successful at anything else. Uh, so, so, so there are tools out there, like learn those tools, like learn the way to kind of do that. So social media breaks or detoxes uh, can be really beneficial. Or if you're on there, be very conscious and aware of how it's affecting you, uh, you know, psychologically in your mood. So when you get to the point, like one cardinal sin, one thing you should never do, be very careful about this, is compare yourself to other people. Uh, when you're comparing yourself to other people, you're leading yourself down a rabbit hole of unhappiness. Uh, you know, you look at somebody else, they have, they appear to have the perfect relationship and you're like, dang, I don't have, I'm not dating anybody. Or you look at somebody, they, you, they just got a new car, they, you know, they're, they're deep in debt. You don't even know it, but you're like, dang, I can't get me a car like that. Or somebody appears that they're like on vacation. They're in, you know, they're in Tahiti taking pictures on the beach you know, like that. And you're like, dang, I can't go to Tahiti. I got to go to work. Right. That can be very depressing. And so one of the things you have to understand is that what you're really seeing is the tip of the iceberg. What you're really seeing is people presenting um, 
this false image of what their life actually is. Nine times out of 10, it's all, it's all bullshit. It's not real. You know, they're in front of the car and it's not even their car. LeBron James's mama was dating some dude who did that, who would go and take pictures in front of LeBron's private jet and take pictures in front of LeBron's yacht and all that. It was the funniest thing. So, uh, so, so basically, you know, I think um, that comparing yourself to people on social media is a bad move because there's so many variables that you're not aware of, you know, like that perfect relationship probably has just as many problems as your relationship, maybe even more. Uh, that that person that appears to have the new car, chances are that there's a good chance that, they, that they're deep in debt. Or maybe somebody gave them the money. Like, you know, maybe they, they were born on third base and make you think that they hit a home run. Uh, you know, and so when you're talking about comparison, the best comparisons that, that I think you can do is to compare yourself to the person that you want to be. You know, like set your standard and say, okay, I'm here. I want to be here. That's what I'm going to compare myself to. Or I'm here and I used to be here. I'm going to compare myself to that. You got to find a way to rewrite the equation so that at the end, when A plus B times C to the 33rd power minus four equals you win, right? It, It has to equal something where you're, where you can be the winner if you put forth a reasonable effort. I don't care what equation you use. I don't care how you come up with the construct. You must have a construct that will help you get up out of bed in the morning and keep it moving. You know, you must, and it, you know, every day, because that's the key. That's that's the key to success. I mean, seriously. Like, like I, I again, I, I don't, I, I started recently kind of being more honest publicly about the success that I've had, even though I felt like it was bragging. I don't like to brag, but I, but I share these things because, you know, because when they say they, that you measure quality of life by health, wealth, and relationships, I can genuinely, honestly say at this particular moment in my life, at this second, at you know, twelve forty-three p.m. on May 29th, I am very happy with every aspect of my life. Um, I lost, I lost, you know, probably 20, 30 pounds in the last two or three years. So my health is better. Um, I went through a ton of dental work. I got my teeth. I got a better. I got a nice Tiger Woods smile now. I went to get, I went to buy the car the other day and the, and the guy said, how do you keep such healthy white teeth? I said, it was hard as hell. It was very painful, but I did it because I did, I got tired of having ugly teeth um, because I, I got tired of my old life and I wanted a better one, right? That's what it is. Sometimes you got to get sick and tired of, of losing. You got to be sick and tired of being where you were. You got to get, you got to literally murder your old life in order for you to create a new one, to give birth to something new. You must kill what was old. And so, um, you know, so in the area of health, I got tired of being fat. I was like, I don't want to look like Roland Martin. Roland Martin, he's, his belly's as big as his head. I don't want to look like that, right? So um, I realized every year after about 35 years old, you start gaining weight just because. You know, I don't know if anybody else goes through this where you literally will think about food and it'll make you fatter. And it, it drove me crazy. And I said, I'm not living like this no more. I'm sick of this. So um, I surrendered. I let Alicia, this is where having a good black woman next to you is a good thing. You know, guys who think that that's a bad thing or, you know, simping or something like that. You may want to reconsider that because if you have a good person who's, who really wants you to do better, they can push you out of your comfort zone. They can make you do something different than what you wanted to do, but you have to be open to that, right? If you're resistant, then it's not going to work. But if you are open to that, because what you realize is sometimes you can be your own worst enemy. You know, like when it came to what I was eating, I was my own worst enemy because if I if, if you left it up to me, you know what I would do? I would put let me give you an example. This weekend, Alicia's out of town. She went to California for a retreat or something. You know what I've been doing? I have been you know, I've been eating. I have eaten nothing healthy this whole weekend. I have been eating Twizzlers and pizza and drinking like Orange Crush like all weekend. 
And I'm letting myself do that because because I, my my because my weight's trimmed down and it's okay. But but what happens? Tell me, y'all tell me, y'all tell me in the chat. What happens to a 50 year old black man who sits in the house all day every day, eating Twizzlers and pizza and drinking Orange Crush every day? What what happens to that black man in three, four, five years? What happens? Exactly. He dies. <laughs> he dies. A cop ain't got to go kill him. See, cops ain't the ones killing black people. Black people's eating habits are what's killing black people. If you compare the number of black people who died at the hands of police, it might be here. That's a terrible number. It's a horrible thing. But they don't what they won't talk to you about because y'all let white people decide what you're going to talk about is that the number of black people killed from fried chicken is at an epidemic all-time high, right? The number of black people who die from, you know, hog mugs and pig's feet and soul food and sugary drinks and everything else, oh, that's way up here. McDonald's has probably killed more black people than Hitler killed in, in Nazi Germany. Seriously. Like, like so, so if you really want to talk about that, I'm just telling you, like, everybody has their area that represents a weakness or a blind spot. So my advice to young brothers who are like, man, shoot, marriage is hard. Relationships are hard. I get that, right? Relationships are, can be a pain in the ass sometimes because you, you're like, she's saying this stuff and I do not get what she's saying. It's pissing me off, right? And I could be free. I could be out here running around with random women or whatever, right? And, and I guess I guess I get that when you're like 25 or 30, but when you get a little bit older, you got to change your strategy. You got to reprocess things and say, Okay, I might be happier doing that over there, but then I'll be looking like DMX and Black Rob by the time I'm 45, 50 years old. No disrespect to those guys, but that's kind of what happens when you get to just do whatever you want all the time. Sometimes you are your own worst enemy. If you really want to grow, growth rarely comes without struggle and, and pain and discomfort. If you want to grow, like when I got, when I went and finally confronted the fact that I grew up, I grew up and I did not get. Um, I did not go to the dentist much. My teeth were very bad. Uh, and we ate, you know, we would get the, we would make Kool-Aid, you know, you know, you know, you, I don't know if anybody else grew up like where you make Kool-Aid and you dump like half a pound of sugar in the Kool-Aid and you think that's okay because it tastes good. Like we do that with <laughs> stuff just because it tastes good. Like, oh, let's put some battery acid in this fried chicken. That's going to make it taste real good. We literally have no concern over the health implications of what goes in the food as long as it tastes good. If it tastes good, then it's a success, right? Um, you know, so, so, you know, I didn't, I hated going to the dentist. I had a fear of it. It, it sucked. It's, it's expensive and it's painful and it's time consuming. And, but I was like, okay, if I want to, if I want to go to the next level, I'm going to have to make myself uncomfortable and, uh, or, or losing weight. You know, um, I did not want to get up. Alicia would make me get up at five in the morning and we would go running in, in like seven degree weather. And I was like, I'm a black man. I have no business being outside when it's seven degrees. What the hell? But I'm telling you, when I would go places and people would say, damn, doc, you look good. Look at you. You lost weight. You know, and I was like, OK, so this is worth it. You know, it's like it's like winning the Super Bowl. You know, I doubt when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the Super Bowl and got the uh, great feeling of hoisting up that trophy. They probably they were bloody. They were uh, in pain. They were exhausted. They uh, mentally and physically, uh, they were probably very uncomfortable. Half those guys probably had all kinds of injuries that make them have to uh, crawl out of bed in the morning. But they but they got the satisfaction of hoisting up the trophy. And that's what happens in life. There's always a yin and a yang. There's always a balance. If you want to win, then you must be willing to endure the pain. The pathway to heaven is always through hell.
And the reason a lot of people, the reason some people lose in life is because they want all the heaven, but they don't want the hell. I see it in investing culture. When I'm talking about investing, a lot of people are like, I'm investing too. And I'm like, well, what did you invest in? Well, I bought some Dogecoin. I'm hoping that, that my number hits. I'm hoping that it flips. I'm like, okay, I, I no problem with you doing that for fun, but that's not really investing. That's not that's not the long-term sacrifice and discipline necessary for you to build substantial wealth for your family that can carry you to the next generation. Um, you know, uh, or yeah, yeah, I put I put I put my money on a on a on a crypto and I'm hoping that 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 that, that my crypto hits and da, da. no, that's that's how people talk when they go to the casino boat and they and they look they put their money on black. Like that's not that's that's like that quick easy stuff. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't take the easy money. Sure, take it. But that's not really how wealthy people that's not where rich people come from. Rich people come from discipline and structure. Most wealthy families, if you go, if you look at most billionaire families, they are very disciplined and very structured. Uh, Warren Buffett, actually, uh, he, he, he had a rule. He's the godfather of his family. He told them, you do not discuss family business in, um, in the media. You do not talk about our family in public at all. He had a granddaughter that did an interview about the inner workings of the Buffett family. He wrote her out of the will. Now, that's kind of harsh, but they had a structure. And they were on. He has a code like like in order for us to make this thing work and to protect this wealth and to build this empire, we must be on code. A lot of us don't have families that are succeeding because you have no code. You got the kids cussing out the parents. You got the, um, you know, the women hating, you know, disrespecting the men. You got the men, you know, calling the women bitches and hoes and saying, I don't want to take responsibility for no damn kids, even my own. Right. You got black people that are throwing darts at each other's heads. Right. Those people don't succeed, though. If you look at their lives, most of them are struggling. Most of them are broke. Most of them are mentally unhealthy. Most of them are are incredibly unhappy. And so when you hear their conversation, all they know how to do is sit around and complain about how hard it is to be black. Well, the part of the reason that it's hard to be black is because you have not made it special to be black. There's nothing special about being in a space with a lot of toxic energy. There's nothing special about being in a family where everybody hates each other. There's nothing special about being around you know, people that are unproductive and don't want to accomplish anything and don't want to make any sacrifices for the future. The bliss comes when you're willing to go through hell in order to get to another heaven. You're willing to endure the challenge, for example, of waking up every morning and working hard, working your ass off on your business so that you get that shot at becoming a millionaire or making $50,000 a month or whatever it is that, that you want to do, right? The the, the the win, the victory comes when, uh, when you are uh, building a family and you have a spouse and you have a problem and you go through the hard work, you go through the hell of sitting down with a therapist and doing the hard work necessary to learn new ways to communicate so that you can form a healthy, happy family. And then you get to take those happy pictures and really be happy in those pictures. That's when, you know, you, you know how to get along. So now your family business is rocking because the family ain't spending all their time fighting. You know, so, so a lot of those families where everybody's cussing each other out and like, oh, I, I, I stabbed that mother and I got my brother. He ain't shit. Da, 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 da. Like those families don't build anything. Like all they know how to do is go work for white people. And, you know, and that's how white supremacy works. White supremacy um, the 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 uh, the the counter the antidote to white supremacy the vaccine that will cure white supremacy the ultimate response to white supremacy isn't just black excellence that's one of them but it's all, we, black excellence comes through hard work sacrifice and pain but also it, it's black unity so when you have black excellence mixed with black unity then you win so when and you know a group of uh, when a, a family gets on code 
and they say, our goal is to, to raise excellent children. We're going to be as excellent as we can be, and we're going to endure the discomfort necessary to become excellent. Our kids are going to go, you know, study hard in school, or we're going to, we're going to hold it down and discipline these children. I'm not one of your little friends. I'm, I'm going to piss you off because I'm, I'm going to tell you what's appropriate and what's not. Uh, we're going to have each other's back. We're, go, we're going to make those sacrifices uh, to make ourselves excellent. And to make ourselves part of that talented tenth, and then we're going to unify. So, uh, you know, my, my, you know, in, in a typical family, my brother, my, he might end up being a two, but in our family, he becomes a ten. Uh, in in some families, my sister might be a might be a one, but in this family, she becomes a ten. So, uh, so you got five siblings. Uh, instead of everybody being an average of a two, five times two is ten. Instead, everybody's a ten. That five times ten is fifty. So now we're we're, we're bringing all this excellence together. We're unifying. And next thing you know, we're multimillionaires. That's where these excellent black owned businesses come from. There was a, a lady in California who's, uh, I think, a black woman who owns all the McDonald's franchises in all of Compton. And, and she and there's a beautiful picture of her in Black Enterprise magazine. I, I don't know the lady's name, but shout out to her. But she has this beautiful picture with her daughters next to her. Um, you know, I don't know what's up with the father. So that that's that's an issue. But it is what it is. Right. But she has this beautiful family picture and that sends a signal. It says that she didn't do it all by herself. She didn't go own. You can't run a bunch of McDonald's franchises all by yourself. And she did it with her daughters. She raised them on code. She made them, she understand at an early age what their role is in the family empire. Do you follow me? So so, so you got to understand that um, when, it, when it comes to succeeding and being happy, happiness is a culture, success is a culture. And you want to build that culture and you want to look for that culture. Right. Uh, and, you know, so uh, so let me uh, let me read a little bit more here. Um, do me a favor. Hit the thumbs up button right now. If you could please hit the thumbs up, share, subscribe button. And uh, let me see here. Uh, let's see. Somebody said uh, thanks for the donation. The last thing he says, good luck with your wife. We on Minister Japs channel roasting you for your scent behavior. I could take the roasting. I maybe maybe I need to teach you all what a man looks like. So it's okay. I'm totally fine with that. All right. So let me see here. Um, because I'm sure he's a very unhappy man himself. So uh, you know, you don't you don't take advice from unhappy people. You want to take advice from happy people. So I'm a happy man, so take advice from me. But if you want to be unhappy, then go listen to unhappy people. All right, so uh defining depression, clinical depression or major depressive disorder is a mood disorder characterized by ongoing feelings of sadness and loss of interest in activities that an individual wants enjoy. Depression can be mild or severe and make it difficult for those with the condition to concentrate, sleep, or eat well, make decisions, or complete their normal routines. People with depression may contemplate death or suicide, feel worthless, develop anxiety, or have physical symptoms such as fatigue or headaches. Psychotherapy and medication are some of the treatments for depression. This is from verywellmind.com. Now, um, one of the things that I want you to kind of be very aware of is that the goal of media, in my view, I believe that a lot of media, when they're trying to control black people, is uh, they want to make you depressed. Uh, they want to make you anxious. They want to make you think that you uh, that every time you uh, go outside that you're going to get shot by a cop. They want you to think that every time you get on an airplane, you're definitely going to catch COVID, even though I don't think anybody on an airplane that I've heard of has died from COVID. Not one single person. Maybe, maybe they have, maybe there's a story out there somewhere, but out of the millions and 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 millions of people who get on airplanes damn near every day uh, over the last year, I don't think any of them, hardly any of them have died. Uh, I've been flying on airplanes. I was flying on airplanes since the start of the pandemic. I did not stop. I did not stop flying. I did more travel during the pandemic than most people do. um, Even when there's not a pandemic, 
I'm fine. I'm here. Right? I'm talking to you right now. It doesn't mean that there aren't risks out here. There are a lot of risks out here. Like if you go to Atlanta and you start raw dogging and having raw sex, yeah, there's HIV all over Atlanta and that could be very bad for you. So don't do that. But in general, this idea that death is waiting behind you or behind every corner, um, that's not something that you want to carry around with you all day, like all the time. Uh, that negative stuff seeps into your brain. That's going to make you an unhappy negative person because you can focus. There's a billion things happening at any given moment that you can focus on. There are a lot of things happening in the world that you could be thinking about right now. I could tell you a story about a little girl in Bangladesh who just won the lottery and it will make you smile or whatever, right? I could tell you a story about um, you know, a guy uh, in Africa who just got killed in front of his family and it'll make you sad all day. Right. So there's a billion things you can focus on. So one of the keys to happiness, this is a secret I learned when I was a teenager and um, and I and I fought through I fought through some sadness, uh, probably depression. I'd say that's what it was. You know, it, it was really tough. High school was very tough for me. You know, I don't even, I don't it's blocked out, honestly, from my memory because it was such a sad time. But one thing I learned when I really when I became an adult and a grown man and I took accountability for my life is I learned how to be very selective about what energy I take in. I learned how to be incredibly optimistic about everything, right? So like, just like when the little hater came through and, and said I said something about simping, it's like a joke to me. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm a simp, yeah, but, but, I, but I bet my girl looks better than you. Ha ah, ha and you're here, you're watching me. So why are you on the simps channel anyway? I must be, I must be pretty powerful if you're coming over here wasting your time trying to talk to me because I don't respect you. I'm not going to your channel. I just ignore you, right? So- so it's a really it's, so everything that you see, everything that you uh, observe, has to be contextualized in a certain way. You must take ownership of how you process all information at all times, everywhere. You must always take it in in the right context. So you know, so same thing is true when something good happens. You know, when something good happens, let's say I go make a bunch of money, I make a couple hundred thousand dollars. Um, I I calm myself down if I make a bunch of money, and I'll say, okay, well, you know. Things are good right now, but things could go bad later, boys. So invest that money and prepare for a rainy day. Slow down. Don't get caught up in it. Don't get flashy. Flashy people, they don't typically succeed. Uh, Again, that's why rappers teach failure to black people. A lot of rappers, not all of them, but a lot of the rappers, uh, you know, shout out to the good ones. Shout out, you know, D1, Willie D, we're in my wedding. I love the guys like that. But some of these rappers, you know, just the, the flashy behavior literally attracts all the wrong elements. Uh, when you're flashy with money, what you tend to attract are you attract a lot of worthless gold diggers. You attract people with sob stories. You attract scammers who are going to try to take your money. Uh, you attract people that are going to rob you, uh, try to you know take all your stuff. You, you attract lawsuits. Uh, you attract all kinds of bad energy. So, um, so basically, even when something good happens, you got to put it in its proper place. So that you can take control of every narrative that exists in your life, that 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 ability to take control of every narrative that's in your life is literally one of the most impactful keys to bliss and success that I can think of. Like there's not a narrative you can name in my life right now where I have not taken control of how I process that information in a very conscious and deliberate way. So when people talk about consciousness I don't think most people that talk about consciousness and being woke, they don't even know what the fuck consciousness really means. They don't know. They just repeat it because they heard somebody else say it. Well, you got to be conscious. You got to be woke. Well, what does that mean? Well, you know, you got to be woke. 
What does that mean? Well, you know, you know, you got to be conscious. <laughs> what does that mean? Explain what that means. Like, break it down for me. They can't. They can't. Because a lot of people, unfortunately, they just repeat what somebody else said and they don't they haven't really processed and thought about it. And so so when you talk about what it means to be conscious, being conscious means being having intentionality, being very deliberate, like kind of saying, like, I'm consciously making this decision to buy your product. I'm consciously making this decision to have sex with you. I'm not doing it because I'm drunk or I'm not doing it because I got carried away in the moment. I'm not doing it because you 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 got me while I was sleeping. No. I'm making the conscious decision to lay down with you with full understanding of everything that can come out of this, right? We could have a great night of wonderful sex. We we could, so it could be a hit it and quit it. It could be, uh, uh, we could fall in love. Uh, you could, we one of us could catch a disease. Uh, one of us could, well, not one of us, but you could get pregnant with a child. I, I'm consciously making the choice to lay down with you, knowing all the things that can happen as a result of this decision so that when those things occur, if those things happen, I'm not sort of feeling blindsided. Right. I had a friend who um, uh, he's a professor. He's really smart, but and I, I hadn't seen him for a while. And I said, how you doing, man? And uh, he has, unfortunately he has a lot of mama issues. I think, I think something went wrong with his mom when he was a kid. So he, he, he's kind of cycles through women as a result of that. He has, he has very little respect for women. A lot of the men that you see that hate women online that really spend like, like literally dedicate a ton of time to bashing black women in particular. Um, a lot of them have issues with their mothers or with a baby's mama who maybe took their kids away or they were chasing the wrong woman and she hurt their feelings. Right. So that's what that is. Right. So this poor guy, his mother um, was like a terrible, I think she was on drugs or something. And uh, so he would just run cycle through all these women. And, uh, and I said, so how you doing, man? He said, oh man, I'm doing terrible. I said, what happened? He said, man, I got this whole pregnant and and now, and she doesn't have the baby and she's trying to get all this money out of me and everything else. And, um, and I, I heard him tell the story and how depressed he was and, and how depressed he was going to be for the next 18 years. And my honest to goodness thought was you're a smart person. Like, didn't you know that if you have sex with a woman, she can get pregnant, especially if you're not wearing a condom? Did you, you know, and, and I, and I don't really think he thought about that. I think he unconsciously did it because he was chasing ass and didn't realize that when you have sex, that's where babies come from. Like that's a basic thing, but a lot of people forget that, you know, the guys that are in child support with 18 babies, mamas literally forgot that what they're thinking about is um, the sex. They're thinking about the short-term gratification. They're thinking about the WAP. Oh, there we go. Let's see here. Uh, driver's seat says you're getting clowned by Minister Wop. I don't know who the hell Minister Wop is. Is that Sam for wet ass pussy? Uh, but anyway, but yeah. So speaking of Wop, uh, they're thinking about the Wop, and that's but that comes from culture, right? If you look at Cardi B's video Wop, she's talking about something as serious and significant as sex in a very unconscious sort of way. It's not conscious. She's not saying you know that the black woman's womb is a is a is a really important place. Uh, that's where the kings and queens come from. That's where our community survival is dependent upon the health of the black woman's womb. Uh, you know that we all exist because a black woman carried us in her stomach for nine months and went through all the discomfort that comes with pregnancy, distorted her body. Like my God, like kids just tear your body up, you know. And uh, and and she made that sacrifice, and then she spent another eighteen years committed to raising you and making sure you were safe when you could not make yourself safe. Like that's a really powerful thing, right? That's like, like that's a, that's like a universal statement. Like that's a, a like goddess like kind of thing that, that I think has to be acknowledged. And, um, and, but instead it's like, 
no, no, this this thing that has infinite value, we'll sell it to you for five ninety five. That you know that that if you if you have plenty of money, you can have access to my WAP. You know, like like so so Cardi B literally. So I'm sitting here, I'm thinking about this, right? I'm thinking this is so fascinating. That again, unconscious behavior, right? So I'm consciously, I, I consciously process every little thing, and so I'm sitting there thinking, so wow, so I ha- I have money in my bank account. So what you're really telling me is that no matter how terrible of a person I am, uh, you know, I could I could have every you know disease in the book. I could um I could I could be a child molester. I I could be a a, a murderer. I could be a killer. I could be a a thief, right? But if I bring fifty dollars to the club, you're gonna give me access. To something as precious and as valuable as your womb. Where's your daddy at? Did, don't, you don't have a daddy? Like, did, did your daddy ever tell you that what you have is valuable? Or was it your pimp that, that told you what your self-worth was? Cardi B probably had a pimp at some point, right? And uh, and and so this is why things like fathers really matter. You know, um, I think that if you are informed and made conscious of how precious and how valuable you are, you're not going to go just sling it out to anybody anywhere. And I think also that has to also to some extent translate to men. Um, you know, I, I think that you know uh, a quality man who uh, allows himself to uh, finagle or engage with low quality women uh, who engage, who, who bring harmful behavior and bad energy to your life, uh, that will ruin you because to some extent, a lot of our spiritual disposition comes through our women. You know, uh, if you next to the right woman, she can make you feel extraordinary. She can make you feel uh, loved and nurtured. She can make you feel stronger. She can help you. She can make you smarter. She can make your life better. She can bring out sides of you that you didn't even know exist. But you have the wrong woman. She'll take all your money. She might, <laughs> she'll, she'll, bring, she'll make you depressed. <laughs> she'll nag the shit out of you. Um, she will... Um, do things that are going to make you a worse man. Right. So, you know, I think that again, this goes back to consciousness. Remember I was talking about consciousness in terms of seeking your bliss in a very conscious, deliberate fashion an intentional fashion. This is very important. Most successful people don't become successful by accident. Most happy people don't become happy by accident. They don't just take what life gives them and just kind of roll with that. They consciously seek out spaces, um, and they process things in a specific way that's going to lead them to a better place, right? So I would say to men, just because, and maybe I, maybe my perspective is different, right? I'm not, I haven't had the life of a regular person. I, you know, I've been a public person for since I was 25 years old. It, it literally, when I used to write, you can go look it up. When back in the 90s, when I used to write articles on the University of Kentucky campus. I was one of the most recognized people on the campus. I was more recognized than members of the basketball team because my articles, everybody, I would write articles about race and racism and all the white people would get mad. All the black people thought I was a superhero or whatever. And, um, and so, uh, so my experiences may be a little bit different, right? But um, I personally think that just because you can have whatever you want, that doesn't mean you should always want whatever you can have. Right. Just because you can have whatever you want, that doesn't mean that you should always want whatever you can have, you know. And um, and so when I would hear guys that would say you should be, you know, look at you if I was like you, if I had all this money, because there was a guy, the guy on, on a YouTube channel who uh, was basically kind of saying that 
he, he it was real interesting. It was like he was giving me a compliment and an insult at the same time. So he was again one of those guys saying, "Oh, you're sipping," you know. Which again, I I love to engage in dialogue with these brothers to help them understand different aspects of manhood. But but he was like saying, like you know, you're Doctor Boyce Watkins. You're very intelligent. You have millions. Of, you're worth millions of dollars. You are one of the most respected scholars in the world. But you settle for a woman that's got kids and da 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 da. And I was like. Okay, you're right. I mean, I guess I have access to certain things that maybe a lot of men don't have. And I've seen those things. And and maybe because I've been to the mountaintop, um, I can tell you what the mountaintop is like. Right. Maybe you're maybe you're talking about what you would do on the mountaintop because you've never been there. Right. You've never been chased by random women. You've never had women inbox you and say, I'm madly in love with you because I've been watching you in your videos. I swear to God, this, this does happen, right? Where literally somebody like, and it's, um, they're sapiosexuals, right? So a sapiosexual who's very assertive will inbox you and say, I swear to God, I'm madly in love with you. I cannot stop watching you. I, I masturbate when you're talking. Like I, it's the craziest thing. I've never seen this before. Right. So I've seen that. Right. And so you know, when you've seen that up close, you know the good side of it. It's definitely an ego booster. Like if you need ego and validation, it gives you that. But once your ego's intact, you start becoming a little more um, conscious and logical about how you process these things, right? So uh, when you're 40 something years old, you're not going to look at it the way a 20, 25 or 30 year old would because you don't want to end up like Derek Jackson. Because I guarantee you that Derek Jackson's life because he's on he, now, now this guy, I mean, he was killing it. He was doing, you know, he was really good at saying things that people wanted to hear, you know, especially women. So he had, you know, 3 billion fans, about 80, 90% of them are women. And they're offering him all kinds of special treats. And that's how Derek gets caught up because he entangled himself with a couple of, let's say vindictive women. I'm not going to say that they're bad people, um, whatever. But it takes a special breed of woman. Like I'll, I'll give you, let's do an, let's do an example, ladies. How many of you, um, if you slept with a man, let's say you slept with a man and he made you mad and what didn't call you back anymore. How many of you, let's say he was a well-known man. How many of you would go on the internet and do an interview with Tasha K and say, you know, and tell the whole story. Like, yeah, I met him online and we had sex and then he didn't call me, blah, blah, blah. How many of you would put your business out there like that? Give me yes or no. Yes or no. Ladies, how many of you would go out and do that? I'm making a point here. I, I promise you I'm making a point. So tell me, give me a yes or no. How many of you wouldn't, well, how many of you would do that? Would be willing to go online and tell everybody that you had sex with some famous guy? Right. I see a lot of no's. I see a lot of no's, right? So, so process this for a minute, right? Most women don't do that. Like most women that, you know, especially intelligent women or professional women, which to me, that's the only type of women I've ever been interested. In. I've never been interested in, um, you know, like strippers and hookers and shit. They like they got di- lots of diseases. <laughs> so, no, I'm not, I'm not going to lay down with a stripper. Um, but, you know, so so most women are not going to do that. So when Derek Jackson had two, three, four women or whatever the number was going online talking about what happened between them in a, in the space of in an adult private space that said to me that you're not two things. One, it says, number one, you're not properly vetting the people that you're letting into your life. You're getting carried away by all the vagina that's being offered to you. So you're like a fat kid in the candy store, 
who doesn't know that eating all that candy will give you diabetes. You're not thinking about that, right? Like, like a disciplined man can walk through the candy store and say, you know what? Let me get a couple of Twizzlers here. And then you say, well, would you like some Reese's cups to go with that? Nah, I don't need to eat. I don't need too much, but I want to, I want to taste just a little bit just so I can, you know, get my sugar rush but I'm not going to eat everything in the candy store, right? So that made me wonder, like, okay, in, in this position of power that you have, this is very important for anybody that wants to be successful and powerful. The more powerful you become, the more careful you have to be in terms of discern, you know, discerning who you let into your space. This told me that because he was 30, 32 years old, he's not 40-something. I'm 49, so I see things different, right? Um, that you did not take the time to... Um, to vet these people that you let into your life. This is not an ethical judgment. I'm not going to judge him based on what he did with his marriage. That's not my job. It's more so saying, you know, did anybody teach you about conscious and strategic behavior that aligns itself with the discipline necessary for you to even know what it means to be a powerful man? Uh, the bigger you become, sure, the more power you have, but the bigger you, the bigger target you become, right? Um, the second thing it told me when I when I saw that with Derek was, um. I said, wow. So given that most women, maybe only maybe only five percent of all women, in my view, five percent of all decent women anyway, you know, maybe you got gold diggers or whatever. But I'm talking about quality women. Only about five percent of women, in my view, would be willing to even consider going online and telling Tasha K who they were having sex with. And so given that you had two or three of those women, that leads me to say, man, your number must be really high. Like you have to go through a lot of women to find two, three, four or five who are all willing to go online and talk about the fact that you had sex with each other. Right. That's another piece, right. That was, that's like, that was very fascinating to me. The third piece was um, that, you know, maybe you also didn't understand that once you choose to lay down with a woman, once you lay down and you engage in whatever, now you are to some extent, you've made yourself vulnerable to her, right. Uh, you have put yourself in a position where she now has something on you. So with somebody like that, when you know that they have something on you, you no longer have all this great power that you might have had because you're Derek Jackson. You now have um, to accept the idea that I can't treat her like I treat anybody else. Right. Like if, if a woman has nothing on you and they haven't they've never been close to you or whatever, then you can say, get out of my face. Like, I don't want to talk to you. Get, just go away. And then they can go scream about it and be mad about it. But it doesn't mean anything. Right. But if you've slept with them. And then you do the same thing. You mistreat them, that person you slept with. Then they can go out and say, oh, okay, you want to treat me like that? Well, guess what? I'm going to go and destroy every single thing that you got going on, right? I'm going to go out here and just ruin. I'm going to ruin your family. I'm going to ruin your business. I'm going to ruin your reputation. Uh, all that, because I ain't got nothing to lose. And that goes to the last piece. This is very important for anybody in here. This, this is for the intelligent Black people that are here. Um you know, I think that when you talk about entanglements of all forms, um, personal relationships, business relationships, and even friendships, I encourage you to make a conscious. Again, this is all about consciousness, being deliberate and intentional about your choices. I encourage you to be intentional about ensuring that the people that you entangle yourself with are people that have something to lose just like you. You know, uh, when I got married, um, I don't really know if uh, I would see my marriage the same if if I if Alicia was um, either a vindictive woman, like if I'd seen her just take her ex-husband to the cleaners, I don't know if I would be comfortable marrying her because that would tell me that she would take me to the cleaners if we got a divorce. Two, um, 
you know, the fact that she has her own stuff that she wants to protect. Like she had, you know, she had a luxury car and a house and a big gigantic, you know, bank account and all these other things. Like she had things. Right. So, so, uh, you know, so her concern wasn't, uh, you know, I want to get all Boyce's stuff. It was, well, I just want to make sure he don't take my stuff. Right. <laughs> you know, and that's it. And, and that's, and that's something that um, I encourage you to consider. If you're around people that have something to lose, then they're not as quick to go kamikaze on your ass or become a suicide bomber, right? Uh, because when you are dealing, when you have something that you value and you're letting just anybody around it, anybody come in, like, like you know, you're letting anybody into your vagina or you're letting anybody into your life or you or, or men, you're planting your seeds, like you're, you're positioning your children to be raised by any old woman that's, that's out there. Um, you're going to end up in a lot of bad situations. That's just what it is. Now, Jillian says she's unfollowing. She says, leave Kwame Brown alone. Well, Jillian, I'm going to block you because I'm going to do you a favor. You probably don't want to be here uh, because I did not pick on Kwame Brown at all. And you are into hero worship, which means you're not smart enough to be on this channel. So everybody say goodbye to Jillian. Uh, I'm going to put her out of here. Uh, that Kwame Brown thing was about the dumbest shit I've ever seen. He's not the first black man to be pro-black. Um, I've been pro-black for many, many years, and we've been doing this. And a lot of the people that he was shouting out, Dr. Claude Anderson, y'all seen him on this platform hundreds of times. Judge Joe Brown has been on my platform as well. So we have the same friends. So uh, you're shooting at your ally. So just get out of here. You know, like that, that silliness is that's the type of immature behavior. I don't even I don't even rock with that. I think that's just dumb. You know, so. Uh, so, yeah. So just know I'm yeah, I'm calling you dumb if you think that way. So just just let's just be clear about that. All right. So um, <clears throat> let me see here. Um, these guys are clout chasing. And if you acknowledge them, you're validating them. That's a good point. You're right. Yeah. You, you know, it, it's not. So I think that when you talk about um, all of this as, as people, I found, I just really think the best, the best thing that I um, was able to pick up uh, as a black man was the ability to think critically and to really think through stuff carefully. And I just learned that man being black and really trying to defeat white supremacy, like really trying to go head to head with the white man, uh, education, <clears throat> like real education and, and also critical thinking skill has become a superpower that I'm very, very proud of in the sense that um, I had to become real smart to outsmart all the systems that are that are all around us. Like from the time you're born, you're literally brainwashed with all kinds of information and mechanisms that are designed to keep you enslaved and to keep you under control. And so uh, so those of you that listen my goal, the reason I talk so damn much and the reason you, y'all probably see me on here, y'all, y'all literally see me on here every day, several times a day is because I, I want to talk to you like your family, like you're my children. Like I, like the same, like that's how, you know, with my brother who works with me every day when he was a baby, he's 12 years younger than me. All I would do is talk to him. All I would do is do exactly what I'm doing to you now. I would just have thoughts and I would just share streams of consciousness and he would just listen. He would listen. He would listen. And so as a result, my brother was wise. By the time he was 20, he was wiser than most 50 year olds because I had told him everything because I was like, as a black man, I want you to understand every single thing that, it, that, that you're going to run into every single <clears throat> system, <clears throat> every single pet trick that they do on you. I want you to understand you know, the terrible things that some black people will try to do to you. Um, I want you to be ready, you know, and as a result, you know, my brother is a multimillionaire in his thirties. My brother went to Cornell university, an Ivy league school. My brother has a beautiful black wife 
and some beautiful black children. You'll talk about fighting white supremacy. There's no greater, <clears throat> there's no greater uh, asset in the battle against white supremacy than the build building of a strong black family. That's the number one thing they do not want to see. They do not want to see black men loving black women. They do not want to see black women holding up their black men. They do not want to see sturdy black men in the community. They do not want to see women kicking ass and taking names. They don't want to see black children being raised in a pro-black environment and being taught to be the best wealth builders in the country and, and going out and, and, and kicking ass and taking names. Like they don't want to see any of that. Right. So the black family literally is the number one um, mechanism to fight white supremacy. Right. Because if you don't have family, then they can just pick you off one by one. Uh, it, you know, and I, I played this game sometimes. Uh, I have a Twitch channel. I don't know if you guys know that. Um, if you, I, I game with my kids sometimes, and I, I used to do it just with my kids, but now I just do it because it, I just think it's fun as hell. Uh, but um, anyway, the game is called Call of Duty. And let me tell you about Call of Duty. Call of Duty is this really violent game um, that is um, like you go into this thing called a war zone. And the war zone is where there's lots of fighting and killing and everything else. And I'm actually going to pull up a screenshot so you can kind of see what it looks like. It's really fascinating. Like if you if you ever want to try video games, you should really try it. It's really fun. And uh, and, and this is an analogy. Like the war zone makes me think about uh, about racism and white supremacy. Right. Uh, basically, uh, you know, it's like, you know, in the war zone, what happens is you go in and you go into this battlefield where everyone's trying to kill you. And uh, and the interesting thing about it is that every so you have everyone has a team. And so let me show you. I'm going to show you some like scenes and clips from the war zone. It's really, really awesome. So let me see. Here's the so here's the war zone. Let me turn it up. So you come in and you got and you're like on a on a chopper and, and you're like a soldier and, and you jump out of the chopper. And next thing you know, like you're, you're like fighting all these people. And uh, so let me let me, let me move forward. So you got guns, right? And, and you're running around and you're shooting and all these other. So you parachute in. So here's some imagery from the war zone, right? Let me see. There we go. So so that, that that's a little bit right. But but there's a lot of shooting and killing and chaos, right? So so here's the thing about the war zone, and, the, and I'm getting I'm getting to the point here. All right. So here's the point. Uh, the thing about winning in the war zone that we learned, and this is how our team learned how to win. This is how we we actually do pretty well, is we learned that when we play as a team, it's hard for people to defeat us, right? When we're rolling together as a unit, if anybody tries to come and kill one of us, all of us are going to retaliate, right? So we were winning a lot of battles whenever we stuck together. Whenever we had unity, we would win, right? And what happened was sometimes I would play and I would play with people that um, I didn't know. And they would just kind of run around and do their own thing. And everybody was out, you know, just trying to, you know, get the most kills and or whatever. And what would happen is we would always lose because each of us would get killed one by one because we didn't have any backup. Right. And so part of the reason that white supremacy and slave and racism and slavery spent so much energy making sure that black people weren't together, that black families were not unified is because they said, look, when they form um, a unit. They are very hard to take down. When you've got a strong family, it's very hard. Like, like if you you know you look at an R. Kelly type guy that's going to go and try to get access to somebody's daughter, it's hard for him to get access to the daughter if a, if daddy's in the house. If daddy's home, daddy's not going to let R. Kelly get next to the daughter. But if R. Kelly catches the daughter when she's hanging out on the playground, then she's by herself. He can pick her off one by one. So a lot of abusers. If you look at the pattern of abusive behavior, a lot of abusers, one thing abusers do is they try to isolate you from your family 
Tell me if you've ever seen that, where they, they say one of the signs of abuse. So ladies, be very careful. Uh, or in men too. Uh, if you're in an abusive relationship, one thing that an abuser will do is they don't want you near your family. They'll, they'll be like, we're move, baby, we're moving to Alaska because they don't want you to have your backup. So the black family is the number one tool for uh, strength, security, and protection that exists in this society. That, that is the number one way to fight white supremacy because it's hard for them to take you down when you're unified, right? So, um, so, so, so that this idea, so the reason that I love talking about, um, you know, the wedding and, and marriage and family and all that is because I'm proud of that shit. Like, I, I feel like that is the best way for me to really live my best life and to be the best person I can be. Um, it's not just me talking about things on the internet. It's actual action. It's me saying, no, I'm not just talking about family. I'm building one. And I'm going to tell you guys exactly how we're building this family and why my children are going to be millionaires and why they're, they're making straight A's in school while they, why they all are all super protected. Um, you know, I love talking about that because that is proof of concept. That is proof of concept, uh, not just building the black family, but also building other black institutions like building the black business. Right. So I built the black business school, for example. We have helped over a million black people learn how to invest in the stock market. Why is that important? Well, because stock market investing is the number one key to wealth. That is the number one factor that divides. If you look at the statistics, that's what divides wealthy people from middle class people is stock market participation. So I said, if I can get a million black people to invest in the stock market, then that's real tangible progress. Right. Uh, the, the, the list goes on and on. There's so many other things I could talk about in terms of things that we've been able to do. And that's something that I, I'm really proud of because it shows that we're not just talking in theory. You know, one of the things that I hate that I have a real pet peeve. One pet peeve I have is irresponsible, weak ass black men. I hate that because my father was a weak man. In my view, he's dead. Uh, my biological father. But he uh, my stepfather was a great guy. He's, he's, he's still alive. I love him to death. My biological father never came through for anybody. Um, his kids, none of, I know I knew his other two children. We have nothing good to say about him. Very little good thing, very few good things to say about him. And, uh, and, and so I have a pet peeve on that. And, and so, you know, when you're talking about this, uh, one of the things that I see amongst weak ass black men, tell me if you've noticed this, there are guys who, um, will just talk, talk a good game, you know, like, Hey baby, one day I'm gonna do this and do that. And, you know, they'll, they'll tell you a million things. They'll tell you they're going to have, that they got a million dollars on the line and, and that, or if you sign up for this thing that they're going to get you a new house. And, and there, there, there are people that are out there that just talk like and these talking Negroes. It's, it, it, I hate that. Like just like just these guys that just talk and there's nothing that, um you know, that, that shows a follow through. There's nothing that uh, shows any sort of substance there's nothing tangible. And, and it's unfortunate because because I, because women believe that like women will get with a guy that talks a good game about all the things he's going to do. And, and a, a, you know, a lot of women will really believe that. And then he'll disappoint them. And the next thing you know, you got another bitter black woman on the street because because she was lied to starting with her own daddy. Right. And, and, and then her boyfriend or whatever, like, oh, you're going to have the baby. I'm going to be there for the kids or whatever. And you're not coming through for the kids. So so that's kind of um something that I don't like. And it's something that I try my best to, to be the opposite of is to say, no, I'm going to talk about it. And I'm going to be about it. If I tell you, I'm going to build a school. Oh, you can come follow circle back with me and say, Hey boys, how's that school going? And I'm not going to get defensive. I'm not going to block you and cuss you out. I'm going to say, here's what's going on. Either we have reached the goal or we didn't reach the goal, but let me tell you what's going on. Let me tell you what we're working with. Let me tell you what we're building. Let me tell you how we're getting it done. It would be something like that. It wouldn't just be me 
promising new things. Diddy does that too. Diddy loves to like talk about things he's doing and I don't ever see the results. And you need results oriented people, right? And that is a maturity thing. A, a mature mind is one that says, we're going to go full circle with this. We ain't just going to talk about it. We're going to be about it. We're not just going to say we're going to do it. We're going to actually get it done. And we're going to show you what the results look like when you're done. And you don't have a lot of that. You don't have a lot of that, you know, like, especially when you look online and you look at the energy, pay close attention to how many people talk about things that they're going to do and never get anything done or talk a good game about the black community, but haven't built anything, haven't created anything. I can literally say that I have employed dozens of black people. There are right now, there are dozens of black people who pay their rent every month and their mortgage every month because I send them money. I can say this, right? So, so my question would be how many if you're talking a good game and you're talking pro-black, how many dozens of black people can you point to who are paying their bills um, because of something you're doing? I have enemies that hate my guts who paid their bills because of money that I sent to them. They never sent me any money. I sent them money, right? So so that is what a, that's what building looks like. Building means that you're creating something that's actually making people's lives better and you're not just making them feel better. You see, talking is like, giving you an injection of heroin so that you will forget about your problems, right? It doesn't solve your problem. It doesn't make the problem go away. The problem's still going to be there when you when you come down from your high. But if I talk good enough and get you caught up in, in a dream, in a fantasy, then you're going to be numbed up just long enough for you to feel uh, good about a, a terrible life, right? Black people do it to each other. White people have been doing it to you since slavery. I, I knew a guy who was nothing but a player. He was he was getting he was messing with all these different women or whatever. And uh, and it's fine. I don't judge that. It is what it is. Um and uh and one thing one time his frat brothers asked him they said, "Man, how do you get all these girls? How do you get all these girls to 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 follow you and do what you say and all sorts of And he said, "You know what he said? He said, "Oh, it's easy, man." He said, "Just sell a whole a dream." That's what he said. I swear to God he said this. He said, "Just sell a whole a dream. If you sell them a dream, if you talk good and you tell them what they want to hear, they're, they 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 going to go for it." So pay attention to how many Good talking Negroes we got in the community. Your pastor talks good. You go to church, you're like, hey man, praise the Lord, praise Jesus, praise this, right? That's a dope dealer numbing you up to forget your problems, but your problems are still going to be there on Monday. They're not always providing solutions. I'm not saying all pastors are bad, but a lot of pastors do this. They give you something that makes you feel good to numb the pain so that you can just survive. It's survival nomics. It's not power nomics. It's survival nomics. It's struggle nomics. It's nothing that's going to elevate you and make you better, right? Um, who else? Uh, you might have you have rappers, rappers, rap, rappers rapping. Yeah, yip yap yapping. Like, look at me, girl. I got the bins and I got the money and I got the ends and I got friends and I da da da. And I and, and it's showing you imagery of all these things that you can't afford, you know, that they can probably can't afford either. And it's just talking, just talking. Yap yap yap. Rap rap rap. And, and we will fall victim. Many of us will fall victim to the fast-talking Negro. So beware of the fast-talking Negro because they're everywhere. I want you to go look around, and I want you to look at how many people there are who just talk, who can give a great speech with zero substance, zero follow-up, no mature version of actually following through and implementing any sort of plan or strategy, building nothing, just what I like that term, jive talk, selling you a dream, selling you a dream, 
And it ain't just black people doing it. White people do it too. Democrats been, <laughs> been doing that to black people since forever. That's why you vote in every election and nothing changes. Nothing changes because they're like, we got to just sell a whole dream. Let's just get them doped up. Let's just let's let's scare them. And then we're going to give them some hope. Right. And, and then they're going to they're going to do what we want them to do. Because now me in the meanwhile, they're, they're stacking money. They're stacking your votes. They're, they're accumulating power. They're building structure. You're just getting like a hype show. You're getting something that's going to make you feel good. Something's going to have you dancing in the aisles. Like, yeah, ooh, ooh, that, that speech was fire. You lit him up. Like, I, I'll see that on YouTube. Like, like the internet, people will be like, be like, oh, so-and-so roasted you. Oh, they roasted you. They roasted you. And I'm like, they did. They did. But they don't pay no bills up in this house. And my life is exactly the same as it was when they started talking. So you're saying they exerted a lot of energy talking and nothing happened, like nothing actually changed. But you think something changed because you felt good when you listened to them talk like that. You do know that talking is not the same as actually doing something right. You do know that there's no um, that there's nothing substantive that's going to come of this, like except maybe your memory of hearing a great speech. Right. Or your or you, you know, or the comedians, the, the comedians will dope you up. Right. There's a lot of. um of 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 numbing that occurs and the numbing comes through talking it comes from a lot of your pastors it comes from a lot of your um rappers uh it comes from a lot of your civil rights superstars it comes from that negro on the street who promised you he's going to take care of the kids and never did uh it comes from your politicians who will tell you who use terms like hope and change to get you to uh believe in whatever they're trying to sell you at that moment uh there's a lot of that right and so what i would say is and this feeds into the perception of immaturity amongst the black male. Uh, this is one of the reasons why the black man is seen as an immature individual, because a lot of brothers grow up in environments where they're encouraged by some older black men, not all of them. Some of y'all got sturdy fathers. Some of y'all got sturdy men who don't go for that bullshit. But, but a lot of them grow up around guys who just know that talk is cheap and that you can promise somebody the world as long as you don't have to actually deliver, you know, people will make commitments and not follow through on commitments. Like, like things like marriage don't mean nothing to people anymore. They're like, oh, I'll make whatever promise I got to make, whatever I got to, whatever I got to say to, to get the vagina or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, baby, I'll, I'll be there for you. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. Right. Um, I had a cousin like that, um, uh, or, you know, who used to uh, reel in a lot of women by carefully crafting the perfect um, illusion for that woman. Uh, he would, he, he had a pattern. What he would do is he would go to a new city where nobody knew him and he he was very tall and handsome and he would uh, meet a woman and he would literally pay attention to what she wanted and whatever she said she wanted, he would magically offer that. Right. So she says she wants to get married. He would say, oh, my gosh, I want to get married, too. I'm just looking for the right one. Right. Uh, And if if she said, I want to have children one day, he say, oh, my God, we should have a baby together. Let's have a baby together. Right. And again, maybe because a woman wasn't always conscious. Again, these are young girls. Young girls are not the same as older, more mature women. They would um, start sleeping with him and they don't understand basic things like how 
um, when you have sex, the dopamine and phenylethylamine in your brain causes you to lose your ability to engage in conscious, logical behavior. Uh, that when that man puts his penis in your body and gives you an orgasm, it releases tons of uh, not just dopamine, but also oxytocin, which causes you to uh, almost be drunk and high to the point where you trust everything he says. So he's literally put you into a trance and hi- hypnotized you and got you to the point where you will believe damn near anything he says. And so what unfortunately has occurred for some of you is you allowed yourself to be injected by a liar. He injected uh, his version of of the, you know the COVID vaccine into your body, and now he's got complete mind control over you. He's got you to engage in very unhealthy, unconscious behavior, right? So he would, he would have sex with him. The sex would be good. Next thing you know, he would be talking like, let's have a baby, blah, blah, blah. Let's take the condom off. I want to have a baby with you. I want to marry you. And he would have a, he would get the girl pregnant in about maybe two or three months. Um, and he would, uh, and then they would get married and, uh, and he was in the Muslim culture, right? So he would, he would give the impression of being this really religiously devout person. A lot of your biggest pimps and biggest liars are very religious people. There's a lot of pimps in the pulpit. Y'all know this. Um, if you don't know it now, you know, uh, but there's a lot of guys who will use religion as a way to get access to women. I, I knew a guy who literally said, uh, he, he literally was talking. He was like, he's like, yeah, here's how you get some ass. He said, all you gotta do is go to church. Cause I was like, I don't want to go to church. This is when I was much younger. I was like, I don't really like church. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, you don't, if you go to church, you can get all the ass you want. He said, all you got to do is go in and raise your hands and say, praise the Lord and roll around the aisle and do a praise dance. Next thing you know, he said, you'll be knee deep in a vagina by two 30 in the afternoon. Uh, because the women are super horny for the guys who will come to church and look like they've accepted Jesus just like they do. Right. So he was really kind of talking about a pimp game. Again, this is one of those fast talking Negroes, one of those people that will just talk a good game and fool you and doesn't have any substance to back up what he's saying. But if you're not looking for the substance, then, and you just believe the words with you, you just become his latest victim. So with this person I talked about, <clears throat> my cousin, <clears throat> what would happen is within about three or four months, it, uh, he would be married to the woman. They would be having, uh, they would, ha- she would be pregnant with his baby. And then his crazy would start leaking out. Right. Uh, <clears throat> and one minute, you know, uh, he's, he, 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 pu- he pushes you down because he saw you looking at another man. The next minute, uh, it, you know, instead of pushing you, he punches you in the face. Uh, he's locking you inside the house. Well, you can't get outside the house. You, he's isolated you from your family like a lot of abusers do <clears throat> to the point where you can't contact your own relatives. <clears throat> um, and oh, oh, and by the way, because he's so good at creating an illusion, it would be six months into the relationship and the woman wouldn't even know his real name. She would literally be like, oh, yeah, you mean Charles? Uh, and people be like, who's Charles? That's not his name. Right. So the thing is that you have people. Uh, You have some people, not everybody, but you have, unfortunately, the culture that elevates the fast talking Negro. Uh, A lot of it is where they took over hip hop culture and made it into this thing where we celebrate fast talking Negroes. They they call themselves rappers. Not all the rappers. Not all the rappers are bad. Some of the rappers are great people like David Banner, Killer Mike. I know those guys. They're fine. But then you got other guys who are um, fast talking liars. Don't build any substance. Don't come through for anybody. And the ladies become hypnotized by them because white people make them rich, famous and powerful because women are naturally attracted to wealth and power in a man. So you start glorifying the wrong behavior. So the sturdy man who backs up his actions with his words, with his actions, the sturdy guy who's going to come through for you, the the sturdy guy who says, you know, if if I'm going to be there at 10 o'clock on Tuesday, I'm going to be there. He's boring to you right? He's not interesting anymore. That's not the guy you want. You want a guy 
that is on TV. You want the guy who who will just, you know, run his mouth all day, but doesn't really come through for anybody. And so <clears throat> so one of the things that I can say is that uh, sometimes it comes from how you were raised. Some men are raised in a space that requires accountability. Uh, my father raised me in a space where um, when I told you, when I, if I say I'm going to do something, I have to do it. If I don't do it, he's going to say, why don't you do what you said you're going to do? <clears throat> you know, that's how you learn how to grow up and not be a punk, right? Uh, but sometimes some men go up in spaces where maybe they have their mother around who excuses all of their behavior. Now, I'm not saying this that every mother does this. A lot of I know some mothers that have more balls than, than some of these men out here. But you know what I'm talking about. Tell me if you've ever seen a man who uh, grew up without any ability to take any responsibility for anything because his mother or his grandmother always had an excuse for him. You know, and, and Lord, you know, Lord, help us if he's the baby of the family, right? The baby of the family who maybe had two older sisters that always covered for him and a mama that felt guilty because his daddy wasn't around and a grandma who felt her baby could do no wrong. And next thing you know, her baby is going into life and going into the community and destroying people's lives, right? Getting girls pregnant, not taking care of the kids, <clears throat> getting into all kinds of stupid situations, telling lies left and right. Because nobody ever checked him on it. Nobody ever forced him to connect his words to his actions. Nobody ever sort of challenged him on that. And uh, and I can just tell you, in our household, you know, I, when I have conversations with the, with our eighteen year old, he's not my biological son, but it's, he's my responsibility. I'm very happy to be responsible for him. He's going. He, uh, he's going to go to college, and uh, and we had to have a talk. You know, because his grandmother and his mother were making excuses for him because that's what mothers do. Mothers are good at nurturing typically. Right. And it was me and his father who sat him down and said, you can't do that. You know, if you say you're going to be there at nine o'clock, you need to be there at eight fifty eight. Like, don't say you're going to be there at nine and show up at ten o'clock. Don't be a flimsy Negro because our community is struggling because we got a lot of flimsy Negroes. So a lot of the opposition that you might even see <clears throat> to uh, the fact that there are black men literally who are angry that I got married to a black woman, that's coming from flimsy Negroes. Most of these guys don't have a real father. Most of these guys have, are are uh, fast talkers. Uh, most of these guys have never built anything in their life. They've never employed a black person. They've never accomplished anything. So <clears throat> all they know how to do is sit back and be chatty patties like like <clears throat> like 12-year-old girls. Right. So I want to resurrect and really popularize manhood. Right. I'm not the only man out here. There's some real men in the building right now. They're watching. They're in the chat. If you're in the shout yourselves out a real man. If you're a real man, raise your hand. Um, you know, and, and I want uh, the women to also honor them. Like, I want you to recognize that so you can separate the real men from the fast talking Negroes, the slick willies, the the damn jive turkeys, you know, the guys who love to just talk all that jive and like, yeah, baby, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that. No, there's some stand up guys out here that I know. And I know who, I know they out here because I see them when I go to events and I have events and the men come together. They're quality men. There was a black man who got on his knee and proposed to a black woman at my event. Right. Because he said, I honor this woman. I honor black family and I want to build a family with this woman. I'm, I'm thinking long term. I'm going to invest in this relationship because I want to build an empire here. Like, like they, they, there are men out there like that, but they don't get the attention. They're not the ones that the white media is going to focus on because these are the men that are going to lead the revolution. These are the men that are going to get your community out of the shithole that it's in right now. These are the ones who are going to make the black community great again, if you want to call it that. Right? If you want to use some old Trump type terminology, you know, I, I'm not I'm not into a, a MAGA, make America great again. I don't care about that. 
But you talk about making black people great again. Th- those are the men that are going to do it. Those are the guys that I, that I partner with and do things with where they come through. They actually create things. They, they keep their word. You know, if a man can't keep his word, then, then how can you even consider yourself a man? Right. When people uh, depend on you and, and, and they need you to come through, it's important that you do this. And this is like an old fashioned concept. I do believe that there are gender roles. I do believe that to some extent that there are things that men are better at and things that women are better at. And I think one thing that I've noticed is that in the family, at least in our family, I'm the person that at the very least top priority must provide security and, uh, and, 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 and resources to the family. I got to come through on that. I got to come through on that. If I can't protect and provide, then I have failed in my view. It doesn't mean that she can't help. It doesn't mean that she doesn't provide an important role in the process, but um, she's the nurturer. She's the one who's in the kitchen cooking her ass off. She's the one who is the social butterfly when we have a dinner party and people come over and I'm sitting over being antisocial because I'm pissed off about something. She's the one who's like, hey, how are you? And friendly with everybody and giving everybody hugs and making making everybody chocolate cake and all that, right? Like that's that 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 is a real thing. And uh, and and that and if you don't have that balance, then then you don't win. And and the thing is that the man has to be sturdy in the sense that, you know, if the bills ain't being paid on time, then I'm going to end up looking pretty bad. And, and, and she's going to have some anxiety that comes from the fact that, wait a minute, my spine, my backbone isn't, isn't very rigid right now. My, my spine isn't sturdy the way it needs to be. The tent pole of our family is kind of wobbly, right? It's not a straight pole. It's it's a it's a flimsy little pole, and when the flim and the pole gets flimsy, the whole tent falls down, right? So the black man, I believe, is the tent pole of the community. So that's why they love to promote black men who are absolutely worthless to their families. I mean, process this for a moment. I'm gonna say I'm gonna share this, and I'm gonna get on out of here because we we've been talking all morning. There's a lot you know we've discussed. Um. Hit the thumbs up button. If you could, please hit the thumbs up button, by the way. I I, I want you, I, I hope you will consciously do that because uh, as you know, when you start speaking like this, you get a lot of enemies and I could really use your support in terms of really carrying the flag for intelligent black people, uh, carrying the flag for strong black people, strong families. We we have to do this. We really have to, like uh, Big Crit, when Big Crit did a song with uh with D1, uh, it's a really good song called Against Us. It's a great song. Uh, you know, he was talking about how you have to raise a flag for what you believe in. Like, you can't just quietly believe in it. You have to vocally believe in it. You have to consciously confront and challenge those pre-existing ideas, those white supremacist notions that keep you oppressed. And so I'm encouraging you to be a little bit more vocal, you know, get on your social media, talk about it, you know, push those issues, push that not just to your children, but when you see people on some bullshit, you gotta, you gotta kind of call that out a little bit uh, in a respectful way, of course. Um, and uh, also intelligentblackpeople.com. If you want to support the platform, feel free to uh, be on the Patreon. There's the Patreon link. Uh, but the last piece I'll throw in here is this. I want you to pay attention now. Uh, this is the reason why uh, they they promote flimsy black men because if your men are flimsy, then it's easy to oppress the community. It's not hard to oppress a community with no men, right? So basically, um, if you look at uh, you know a lot of rap songs, um, I, I've broken this down before. I'm gonna break it down again real quick uh, for those who haven't heard it and those who have heard it. Uh, I want you to really process this. Listen to the messages that black men are promoting to other black men. Right. Listen to those messages. If you listen to a typical hip hop song, here's what you're almost always going to hear. 
you're typically going to hear something that references um, drugs and drug addiction. You're going to hear something which 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 makes you weak because drug addicts have no power. Like a, a drug, and don't nobody respect a dope addict, right? A uh, dope addict is, doesn't come through for their family. A dope addict is a flimsy Negro. Um, they promote maybe excessive consumption of um, not just drugs, but also maybe alcohol. Uh, if you're an alcoholic, just know your family's not going to respect you. Uh, your kids are going to be mad at you. They're not going to be happy with you. Uh, it promotes financial irresponsibility. A man who's irresponsible with his money uh, gets very little respect from intelligent women because they're like, how can we build a family? How can we build an institution? How can we build an empire when you're pissing away all the empire's resources? Right? Every great empire has had to be efficient with its resources. So you are the exact opposite of a builder because you are taking all that money and you're throwing it out the window because you have some desire to go give a bunch of money to white people. What is wrong with you? Um, there is um, a commitment to violence. Like, you know, there, there's always references to killing other black people. Uh, that's So the police are not killing most of the black people. Most black people are being killed by things that are easily preventable, like not just what we eat, but also... Um, you know, black folks killing each other. I have friends who've been killed. All of them have been killed by black people. So it doesn't mean you don't talk about the police. Sure. I've been talking about the police for 25 years, but you must also talk about the enemies and the demons that exist in your community who somehow want to celebrate black genocide, who think that talking about murdering black people is okay. They, they say things in these songs about black people that they can never say about white people. If they talked about killing Jewish people, they'd be off the air. If they talked about killing Asian people, they'd be off the air. If they talked about killing white women, they'd be off the air. But when they talk about killing black people, then that's that's a good thing, right? And then what happens is that they celebrate and they honor these people, right? So, for example, Hillary Clinton, not Hillary Clinton, I'm sorry, Kamala Harris, maybe they're the same person in my mind. It's probably a Freudian slip. So Kamala Harris um, had the rapper Lil Baby. Uh, come to the White House. Now, Dr. Claude Anderson has been trying to meet with uh, the Biden administration for many, many uh, years or months or whatever, uh, and uh, they won't meet with him. Um, even Ice Cube, uh, who's got a team of scholars behind him that are helping him with his contract with Black America, can't get a meeting with uh, Kamala Harris. But Kamala Harris met with the rapper Lil Baby, and Lil Baby said something that was uh, powerful and profound. Lil Baby said, I rap about killing and dope, but I tell the younguns to vote. So that makes him the perfect slave, uh, because if, if because when you rap about killing and dope, you're serving two purposes for white supremacy. You're keeping black, you're kill, you're getting black people killed, and you're you're celebrating the death of black people. Like we're we're normalizing that, right? When so when someone hears about a black person dying, it's not a big deal because they're like, oh, well, they talk about it all the time, and it's fine, like because they dance to that death music, right? Uh, and then also. Uh, you're getting black people uh, to embrace uh, a drug culture, which gets us killed, locked up, and uh, it causes us to abandon our families. That's another goal of white supremacy. But then you tell the younguns to vote. So it makes sense, right? If if, if you are high and, and I've, I've been doping you up, then yeah, you'll support anything, right? I've made you stupid, so you're going to go along with my agenda. So, not, so he's supporting white supremacy in two key ways. He's getting black, three key ways, actually, getting black people killed, getting black people high on drugs. And then also he's getting black people to support the Democrat Democratic Party and keep them in power. Right. So it's like, oh, he, why? Why wouldn't I meet with him if I'm Kamala Harris? Because he's the perfect slave. He's the perfect slave. So um, uh, so so I kind of want you to pay attention to that. Um, a lot of your problems with your families link back to these flimsy Negroes, the flimsy Negroes uh, that that don't like accountability, the flimsy Negroes who hate black women, no matter, even, even the black women who are cool and really trying to do the right thing, the flimsy Negroes 
who uh, sit and complain and whine like 12-year-old girls about how hard it is to be black and how unfair the world is to them and how mean women are to them. Uh, the flimsy Negroes who don't come through for their kids, the flimsy Negroes who don't come through for their in-laws, who don't follow through on anything. That is a culture that is being promoted by white supremacy because they want to keep you stuck. Because they know that as long as the flimsy Negroes are do- the dominant culture, that black people can never win. Black people can Women are powerful. Women are amazing. But women aren't always built for war the way men are built for war. Real men are built for real war. And if you watch this platform, you know that ain't no white supremacists ever come close to taking down none of this. I did all of this without the help of white people. The only way white people have helped is that YouTube is a white-owned platform. So yeah, I shout out to them for that. But uh, CNN, white media, they've tried to destroy me. It did not work. Uh, white folks, white corporations do not give us any money. We found ways to raise our own money. Uh, white people did not support us politically. They, they've done hit pieces. They tried to attack us. They can't defeat us because um, Ice Cube said in, in a song, which I really like, you know, where he said, um, you can't cancel a soldier. You can't cancel a soldier. A soldier is a person who is willing to die on the battlefield. So he's going to go all the way to the end, to every limit, and use every strategy necessary to fight the good fight, even if he loses. See, it ain't always about winning. You ain't got to always win, but you got to always fight, right? And and, and if if people know, even people that can defeat you, even your adversaries who might have a leg up on you, who might take you down or whatever, if they know that you're always willing to fight, they're going to approach you differently than somebody who knows that, that they can scare you into giving up, right? A bully, if you think about bullies at school, The worst thing to do with a bully is to give up or to give the bully what he wants. He's only going to keep taking more. But if the bully knows that you're going to fight and you will fight to the death and that you're not scared to to take to get punched in the eye or whatever, the bully's going to think twice before he steps to you. He's going to say, man, I might win this fight, but I'm going to bleed, too. So my goal with white folks and, and, and white supremacy and everything, or even the Negro naysayers, the Negro naysayers and the flimsy Negroes who 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 attack at every chance. My goal is not to win. My goal is to let you know that if you win, you're not going to win without a fight because I'm going to fight you to the death. I'm, I'm going, you know, we, we're going to do this until until my casket drops, period, period. So that's just what it is. And I know flimsy Negroes can't handle that. Eventually they'll get tired and they'll give up and they'll walk away because I know what you're made of. You're not made of the stuff that me and my daddy were made of. You know, you know, uh, I know Kwame's got mama's cooking. I ain't got mama's cooking. I got daddy's cooking. I got daddy's, I got daddy's DNA, right? So, so my mama's cooking was nice for me. My mama gave me my spirituality. She made me spiritually strong, but my daddy gave me a backbone. He gave me a spine and he made me understand that no matter what you're up against, you always fight back. That is how black people are going to win. You must always fight back period. Got it? We on the same page. Give me a yes in the chat if you get what I'm saying. We've been talking for an hour and 48 minutes and 39 seconds, so I'm about to get up out of here. So God bless everybody. I hope you guys have a great day and uh, it was awesome talking to you. And uh, if you want to learn more about wealth and business, just know you can actually go take a look and do a free membership in the Black Business School. So don't worry about having any money to, you know, to do anything to sign up for any classes. We have experts, Black experts, that can teach you anything you need to know from real estate, stock investing. We have a cryptocurrency masterclass coming. We have all different kinds of things for children, everything else. We have 140,000 students worldwide. And also we've helped over a million Black people start investing in the market. So uh, at least do a free membership. The URL is the Black Business School. 
gmail.com. So even if your money ain't right, that's okay. You ain't got to have money to be a part of the revolution. Just jump in, and I don't want you to pay money necessarily. We can use financial support if you have it, but if you don't have it, that's okay. Um, I just want you to pay attention, okay? So uh, have a good day, everybody. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. It was great talking to you. Love you. Peace. Here we are, clan the isms, cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones who late. Now, family, we the ones who gotta delegate. Get that money in the power, never be fake. Stick to co-sign for three. What did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own. Educate the same and buy back your home. Got three degrees, triple ten. Three PhDs, now we on the CNN. DBTV, let's talk about negligence. Ignorance is bliss, but we can turn it to intelligence. Believe none of what you hear, half of what you see. Let's break it down here on Dr. Boyce TV. Here we are.